0: Of course this thing doesn't start when the one time that I try to adjust it. How's it going tonight? You good? That's good. Oh wait, it's not tonight. It's morning. Let's try this again. Take two and action. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? That's good. I'm well. Well, not well. But that's a... Reaction that I have, because I don't want to bore anybody with my problems, but I guess I'm going to, since you're listening to my podcast, I am getting sick. So here I am, Tuesday night, 9.23 p.m., Griff is passed out on the floor, he's been partying hard, his mom's gone to Vegas, so he's going to fucking party while she's gone, Lord knows what she's doing in Vegas. Ugh. Cheating on me, no doubt. Cheating on me. No doubt about it. Yep. Yep, Griff's going to have a new mom. Well, not anytime soon. I don't get girls too quick. I guess he's going to have a new dad. And I'm going to have to go shared custody, see him on weekends. You know, it's funny. Me and Steph, we, uh, we went out, speaking of Steph and how we used to date until she went to Vegas and hooked up with a bunch of dudes. We went out for Valentine's Day, took her out for a nice romantic meal at Montana's. And uh, (laughs) what do you mean? What are you laughing about? What are you laughing about? Montana's is massively romantic. It's the most romantic spot you can take a girl in, Lloyd. So anyway, we go to Montana's for Valentine's Day. Actually, truth be told, this was her call, not mine. So, And it was a $100 bill. I mean, I tip pretty generous, but still, it was a $100 bill. Uh, Anyway, we go there, and there was like a 40-minute wait. And oh, man, you could see this probably late 40s, early 50s-year-old dad. And he's sitting with his daughter, and she's about, you know, 12, 13 years old, and all I could think is, man, man, that guy is divorced, and his ex-wife is on a beach right now (laughs) doing it with her new guy, (laughs) and he's out for supper with his his daughter, and he never sees her. There was no conversation going on whatsoever. They were just kind of awkwardly looking around the room. (laughs) <laughs> and they just like man, that, that is so the case. He never sees that girl, but but his ex wife wanted to go to I don't know, Hawaii with the new boyfriend and he's stuck with the daughter and they have nothing to talk about, nothing in common, because he's basically abandoned her since they broke up. <sighs> and like even though I couldn't hear words being spoke, oh my god, was it entertaining? It was so entertaining. By the way, welcome to the Soups on Hockey podcast. That's my introduction. I'm an awful person. I mean, Tyler Campbell. How are you? As I said, I'm sick. So I'm going to start with pros and cons tonight. Because that's what I have written down in my notes. Got a lot of notes. Going to be a long podcast. Pro, I'm doing a podcast. It's always fun. Con, I'm getting sick. Pretty sure it's strep throat. I might say that later in these notes. I'm not sure. Um, pro, I have a lot to talk about, as I just said. Oh, there it is. Con, pretty sure it's strep throat. Yeah. I should stick to the notes rather than go off script. I don't. If you've listened to the show before, I don't. Oh, and I got, you know, girlfriend's name, Steph. Dog's name is Griffy got a cat named George. I like to introduce them before each show now. Don't know why. Griffey sometimes stars, but he's pretty zonked out right now. Plus, tomorrow, he gets to go to the dog kennel that he goes to all day. It's not really a dog kennel. It's just kind of a play place for him. Uh, yeah, and he loves just going there and partying. So I like to get up early. I think the earliest I can take him is seven. like to get up early and get him out there as soon as I can. And we got to pick him up before 6, so I like to get there around 5.57. And I like it when he jumps into my truck and crashes on the passenger seat because he is so fucking exhausted. Because I don't know how many of you have golden retrievers or labs or dogs with high energy, but the best feeling ever is when they are out of energy because it is not easy. Anyway... Um, Pro, the Oilers, playing great right now. Con, yeah, 30 million or so is out of the lineup right now. Pro, McDavid is back on Sunday from the sounds of it. Con, doesn't sound like McDavid's back till Sunday. And that's at best. Pro, I'm drinking a hot chocolate that soothe my throat right now. That's, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> right on cue. That's not really the truth. I ended up finishing the hot chocolate as I was writing my notes. Con, you'll have to listen to me drink it. Hey, that's now a pro. I finished it. Although I might end up having to down a few halls here, or whatever the other cough drops are that I have. Oh, it's coming. It's so coming. It's so strep throat. I'm going to be. Oh, we got hockey tomorrow. Oh, I just, I just know that I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night, brutal fever, throat's going to be to the point by then that I can not swallow anything, insert sick joke here, and yeah, oh man, it's coming, it's coming, it'll get you, like a browser's ad on Pornhub, it'll get you, right, Puffy? Go back and listen to a few of the old podcasts if you haven't to. If you don't get that joke. You fucking listen to my show if you want to get my jokes. You understand me? Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just fucking around, eh, bud? New listener out there? Just fucking around. Uh, Anyway, where was I? Pro. Oh, I already said this. I probably got three hours worth of material tonight. Con. This is probably going to be a three-hour podcast. Oh, that was a dumb bit to start. Should have stuck to something about porn. Anyway, a lot to talk about tonight. Fuck, I didn't even put it in my notes, all the trades that have gone down. I had to put it somewhere in here so I don't forget. Um, yeah, right there, right there. Isn't this good podcast on the fly? On the fly is my... I try to balance my... Phone slash microphone and my laptop. Um, talk about trades that have happened, such as the Tyler to Foley deal, the Dylan DeMello deal, the who else got traded? Brandon, Dillon, Deal, who else got traded? The, who was the other defenseman today that got traded? Well, he's about to. Alec Martinez, likely Deal. Okay, who was the other big defenseman that got traded? Come on. Who was it, Campbell? Come on. DeMello, Dillon, who was the other one? DeMello went to the Jets. Dylan went to the Caps. Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Nobody texts the show right now and tell me, even though nobody on this planet knows that I'm doing this show at the moment. Nobody texts this show and tell me. Okay? Nobody. There's Dylan DeMello. There's Brendan Dillon. DeMello went to the Jets. Dylan went to the Caps. Martinez... As of recording, this has not gone to the Golden Knights, yet Bob McKenzie, for some reason, has already said Alec Martinez is going to the Golden Knights, yet it's not done. It's very weird. It's a very bizarre situation, I would say. Oh, who was the other defenseman that went? Well, Andy Green went. The Andy Green deal. The Andy Green trade. Got to talk about that. Oh, the Blake... Coleman trade, comma, the... Who was the other defenseman? Why am I blanking on this? Sammy Vatnin might get traded. Wayne Simmons might get traded. I guess I haven't talked about the Kyle Clifford deal that also included my brother named... Why am I blanking Jack (laughs) Campbell? (laughs) Oh, jokes that make myself laugh. Seriously, though, I am blanking on who the other big stay-at-home, pretty much useless defenseman was that got traded today. I know it was Brennan Dillon. I know it was Dylan DeMello. I have to now cheat and go to one of the sites that will tell me Sound like a robot tonight, don't I? I'm trying not to raise my voice as you know, you can Oh, Marco Scandella, that's who it was. Went to the Blues. Oh man. Second round pick. The Marco Scandella trade. Okay. I'll try to hit every trade that's been made and not take forever doing it like I just did typing it. <sighs> I'll try and talk. I mean, fuck. I have talked about who I like for the Oilers for months now. The needle keeps moving a little bit for me. I'm still feeling the same way, but there, are, there is one big name out there that I would like for the Oilers to go get. I'll get to it. Okay. First and foremost, this is underreported. This, though, really excites me. And I'm going to lead with with this story tonight. Well, it's not a story, but 31 Thoughts, the podcast. I am an avid listener. Okay, I never miss an episode. Last week, they dropped in there, did Jeff and Elliot, that the NHL and CHL agreement is up after this season. What a freaking chance for both sides to get this right. So here is what you do. This is my opinion. I do not know who loses in this situation. You have to start with the template. If you are the NHL, you have to start with this template. You go to the CHL and you say, look, we are done with this stupid agreement that forces the hand of, NHL, of our GMs to keep kids who aren't ready to play in the show just because they're far too good to go back to the CHL. The latest example of this is Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc needs desperately to be in the AHL this season. The Blackhawks, from my understanding, didn't want to send well, and I mean this isn't my understanding as if I know, I'm just assuming here, or I'm guessing. The Blackhawks, I'm guessing, didn't want to send him back to Saskatoon because they felt, okay, six foot four, great skating center. He's just He's going to blitz the WHL. He's not really learning much, gaining much by doing that. Instead, this kid who's so raw, he would be better off with our club just practicing and being around this group every day. Wrong call, in my opinion. But that was their opinion, and they're supposed to have better opinions than some schmuck who does a soups on Hockey podcast and talks about Brazzers ads on Pornhub, and can't get over that fucking joke. They're supposed to be smarter than that guy. But that guy knows that Kirby Doc should have went back to Saskatoon. Now, there there could have been a, and I'm sure there is, a plethora of reasons why they didn't go that route. But from the outside looking in, that's how it looks. Um, But again, Kirby Doc should not have those Two options only. Kirby Doc should have the option to go to the AHL. So if you're the CHL, what are you gaining from this agreement? You're just forcing that. All you're doing is fucking with kids' development. That's all you're doing. This this does not help you. Because Kirby Doc didn't go back to the CHL. Kirby Doc stayed in the NHL. Kirby Dock's growth might be stunted. Why? Because psychologically, he is he is you're you're running the risk as the Chicago Blackhawks of destroying this kid's confidence. That's why I prefer he go back to the WHL and the Saskatoon Blades is because there at least while he might not grow much, at least you're not destroying his confidence. Whereas with the Blackhawks, you could be destroying his confidence. And if you shatter a kid's confidence, he might not get it back. Because if all he knows in the NHL is failure, that can really fuck with a kid's head. Look at A Pugliarvi. Very similar type of prospect. Very similar. Pugliarvi never grew. Now, I'm sure, you know, you can talk again ag nauseum about... Hundreds of reasons why pulley Ar- you know, why pulley RV is different. Yada yeah, yeah, That's not the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, getting the train back on the tracks here. The NHL needs to use this as a template and say, okay, look, top ten picks after they're drafted, their first year out, top ten picks are going to be AHL eligible. And the next year, the 19-year-old season for those kids, if there's any kids, you know, obviously some kids are late birthdays and they only have one more year of junior left. But any kid who's picked in the first round and they've got, you know, it's their 19-year-old season in junior. If you've been a first-round pick and it's your 19-year-old season, they, so I guess, yeah, I, I would say that. I I, I would actually, I'm going to change on the fly here. I would say that, that a 19-year-old player, a kid going into his 19-year-old season, he can be eligible for the AH, AHL, any 19-year-old player, well, not any, but any 19-year-old player who's been a first-round pick. Let's say that, and then also, if you've been a top 10 draft pick. Then you're eligible, but here's the key. So you might be seeing, you might be sitting there saying, "Wow, that's great for the NHL, but what the fuck does it do that that severely fucks over the CHL?" Hold on, hold the fuck on. My aunt has told me I not to swear too much, so I, I'm really sorry to my auntie Pat that I just have been swearing up a storm as this has started. I get animated. You know, I, I get passionate. Um, anyway, the caveat, the carrot that you dangle for the CHL is that those kids aren't eligible for the AHL without the NHL, the NHL team who drafted them, buying those players out. And you set a fee And that's where you negotiate, is you negotiate that fee to buy the players out. That way, the CHL owners win, the NHL organizations win, and the kids win. As Michael Scott would say, win, win, win. That's what you do. Now, what that number is, I don't know. That's where you negotiate. That's where... It gets tough. But you know, let's arbitrarily let's say it's five hundred thousand dollars. One time fee, five hundred thousand dollars to buy that kid out from playing in the CHL and making him AHL eligible. It's peanuts to an NHL team. Absolute peanuts. To a kid's development, it's massive it is massive. Here's the other thing. You don't have to do it. You know, and because there is money involved, there is still incentive for NHL teams, let's say with a 27th pick, who, you know, yeah, maybe he could go to the AHL, but you know, he's still you know, he could he's not going to be hurt by going back to say the Sarnia Sting. You don't have to buy them out. You got the option to keep them in junior. It is such a win-win motherfucking win for everybody involved if you do it that way. Again, what the number is for the buyouts, I don't know. But there's a number there that would appease the CHL owners, and would not be too big of a fee for the NHL owners. Maybe it's a sliding scale. Maybe it's more for the top 10 picks than it is for the 19-year-olds. And, by, and, and yes, I think I made myself clear, but just in case I didn't. Any 19-year-old first-round pick. So let's take, you know, he wasn't a first-round. Well, let's take Evan Bouchard in his draft year. The Edmonton Oilers, then, Evan Bouchard was going in to his 19-year-old season after his, after his draft year. He was late birthday. He was October 21st, I want to say, or 20th. So Evan Bouchard, in that scenario, the Oilers, instead of, instead of having him play seven games with the big club that season and question whether or not it benefited him to go back to London... They could have simply said to the London Knights, here, we're going to buy him out from his CHL agreement. He is now eligible to play in the AHL. Win, win, win. Now, Bouchard would have qualified on two fronts because he was also a top 10 pick. But you get, again, you get what I'm saying. So that's my theory. That's my, that's my advice as to what to do. Uh, and again, maybe it's a sliding scale for top 10 picks. Maybe first overall picks cost more to do that with than the 10th pick. Maybe the, you set a price for the top 10 picks, and it's a lower fee for anyone else who wasn't a top 10 pick because they're not bigger names. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's more money for the 19-year-olds instead of the top 10 picks because the top 10 picks is more vital that they get the AHL time. But they have to rectify that because, man, that is, that is, and I mean, NHL teams shouldn't be so stupid as to keep so many of these kids like they do. And I'm not talking about the obvious ones who should be. You know, Taylor Hall made the jump. Taylor Hall was more than ready. Lafreniere next year, he is more than ready to step into the NHL. Those aren't the kids I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Kirby Docks of the world. You know, I'm talking about, you know, and he was fine with doing it, but Drew Doughty, Zach Bogosian was one who maybe didn't develop properly because the Atlanta Thrashers at the time were saying, well, you know, what's what's better for this kid's development? Should he go back to, I think it was Peterborough? Or should he stay with the Atlanta Thrashers? Because we feel like the Thrashers are going to be in Atlanta for a very long time and have a lot of success building around the likes of Zach Bogosian and Ilya Kovalchuk. And, you know, we got this Evander King kid we just drafted. And, no, they were going to draft Evander King. Who was the kid they took in 25th? Alex Beret. Yeah, we got this Alex Beret kid coming up for the minors. He's going to be great. So the Atlanta Thrashers, look out for us. We are on the rise. By the way, Zach Bogosian in his rookie year, I went to a Thrashers game in Edmonton that year. He looked good. He looked really good. But that's the case of the defenseman who developed prematurely, so to speak, much like Dion Phaneuf. I I wonder if that's Aaron Ekblad. Yeah, you know, something that you got to kind of watch out for with your defensemen is how much growth they have. Because sometimes defensemen, you know, and this happens with forwards too, but I notice that especially with defensemen, sometimes they can just develop a lot quicker, you know, when they're younger. And then, you know, they get to 22 and 23 and, oh, they're topped out already. <sighs> Jacob Trouba was another one kind of like that. Okay, get back on track, Campbell. Plus, oh my god, my throat is gonna hurt so bad at the end of this. Um the other thing, the other big not big news, but the other story that to me was was a big deal was the Olympics, the the news that that the IOC is willing to do what the NHL wants in order to get NHL players to the twenty twenty two Olympics. Um NHL insiders quickly came out after and said, nope, isn't a done deal because the owners still don't want to go. And and they were all just adamant about how, yeah, no, yeah, the owners, they don't really want to (laughs) go. What a bunch of bullshit. Not what a bunch of bullshit that they don't want to go. What a bunch of bullshit that they're claiming they don't want to go. The 2022 Olympics are in China. You want to know how hard up businessmen are to get into the Chinese market? Go look at the mess that Daryl Morey started this fall for the NBA owners. (laughs) Go look at that. Go look at all the hypocrites in the NBA who were... Stepping over Daryl Morey's metaphorical carcass To say, yeah, we don't stand with Daryl Morey We think we think the Chinese government is just great <sighs> The NHL owners are saying, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we sure don't want to go Yeah, they're saying that because it's still got to be negotiated in the CBA And if they look eager to go, then they won't have that negotiating power <laughs> they're going. Don't listen to any insider on this. That breakthrough, that with the IOC agreeing, there is not one fucking reason the NHL owners wouldn't want to go at this point. If they get if they get that, they they can they can show the content, you know, and and promote it and all that stuff. Like they're they're going. The insurance is covered. Like, it sounded like everything. The IOC was like, okay, we'll do it. And, I mean, the IOC, they got to do it because without hockey, they don't have the Winter Olympics, especially in the United States, don't provide that, that big event to gravitate to. You know, and, I mean, the Olympics on their own, yeah, it's, it's a big event, but you kind of need a big draw within within the event. And that's, that's hockey. And they didn't have it in 2018. Obviously, the IOC felt, and probably NBC more than anyone, felt the sting of not having hockey. They'll be there. They'll be there. And actually, I'm working on a piece right now as to what Team Canada might look like, because that's what I do. Don't know if I'll ever get it done. I've got to do a top prospects WHL prospects list for Sean that I'm still at this moment working on still not done I told him I'd be done like three times by now I'm kicking myself over not having that done I gotta get it done still haven't done a top or haven't done a a company whatever I haven't done a podcast to accompany my top 32 list I haven't done a podcast to accompany my mock draft <sighs> I hate falling behind and I'm always behind so I hate myself in general Yeah I just got I'm just trying to look through my notes right now to sum up they're going okay Um Toronto lost again as you're listening to this it would be last night and the concern is through the roof right now for that hockey club and it, it's not to dump on them at all But I just – I watched that unfold, and it just reaffirms my recent beliefs because I wasn't big on this before. But you can only have so many superstars, but that you need the depth to go with the superstars. I think back to the way Daryl Sutter in the cap system built the Calgary Flames. And he had Aginla and Faneuf and Bollmeister and Kippersoff. I want to say there was like one other really big salary in Calgary. I mean, he had Jokinen for a bit. That's not who I'm thinking of, though. But anyway, it it felt like Daryl Sutter, like he loaded up at the time with these high-end or high-salary anyway players. And then he just kind of had a bunch of okay, like, plugs. And I don't mean that to insult anybody who played in the Flames teams from 06 to 2010. Not really meaning. And, I mean, Bo Meester didn't get there until 2010. So, but anyway, I'm not meaning to insult any of the Flames that were on that or on those teams. Craig Conroy is on those teams, and I thought Craig Conroy, Conroy was a hell of a player. But the point is... That wasn't a deep flames team. And, you know, you've seen Chicago do it. And in Chicago in 2010, like that roster might be the best cap era roster. It'd be right up there anyway, the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Be right up there. Uh, but then they lost so many guys for 2011 and 2012 and they were rebuilding even though they had Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook they had tent poles but they didn't have any and hosa and but they didn't have any depth and then in 2013 they had kind of developed properly enough and the cap had gone up so much that they were able to regain that depth and from 2013 to 2015 the hawks had a bunch of depth then, what happened after twenty fifteen they had to get rid of a lot of guys and twenty sixteen they managed to take the blues seven games that was that was pretty impressive but then since twenty sixteen they've been i mean they they finished first in the west in in twenty seventeen but they were swept by nashville Nashville dominated that series whoo but uh yeah, they, they've they been down ever since. And they've got Taves and Kane making $10.5 million each. And obviously we know the albatross that was Brent Seabrook's contract. And, you know, you the point I'm getting to here is you need superstars. But it's like you can't have too many superstars in the cap system. Because the cap system kind of punishes you for having too many superstars. And I'm... Really wondering. And I'm not saying because I, I love John Tavares. I really do. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And I was 100 percent thought the Leafs were were smart to do it at the time. You can't pass up a John Tavares. Are you kidding me? But maybe they should have. Like you think back to that 2018 Leafs team down the middle. Austin Matthews, Nazim Kadri, Tyler Bozak. That is a perfect first, second, third-line center. Even if you you, know, you want to say Austin Matthews isn't a first-line center and whatever, fine. But like the potential at the time was definitely there for Austin Matthews. I'm not going to move off the point. It still bothers me that that guy is looking like such a one-dimensional player when he has the ability to be one of the elite centers in the game. But that's a different story. Matthews, Kadri, and Bozak down the middle, that's damn good. Then they had agitators like the aforementioned Kadri and Leo Komarov. I had to think for, for a second what Komarov's first name was. You had a complimentary winger with size and skill like JVR. And the point I'm trying to get at here is they had a mix. They had a true mix. They had depth. Right now to me, that team looks like they lack depth and they lack having the right mix. And I mean, the mix thing, I mean, above all else, don't get me wrong here, above all else, the biggest deal going away in hockey is goaltending. To the point now where it doesn't really matter what you think about how a team should be built. You know, at the end of the day, you have to have a goaltender who's red hot. You don't have to have the hottest goaltender, but you have to have a goaltender who's red hot to win. That's it. You know? like. I mean, but, you, but beyond that, getting past X, I think we all understand that. You have to have mix and you have to have depth. If you don't have the right mix and you don't have depth, it's not good. You know, I I rip on Calgary a lot these days, and I will again later too. But like the big thing I find with the Flames is is, is the mix is bad. You know, they talked about getting tough in the off season, so they added Lucic and they added Ronaldo. Those are those are guys who don't like those aren't. That's not how you need to get tough. And this is so old. This is such an outdated. But You need to have team toughness. You know, this was always said about the Detroit Red Wings and the uh, the 08 Detroit Red Wings, you know, that te- that great team that, you know, was built from them fluking out and getting Datsuk and Zetterberg in back-to-back drafts. But they, the thing about that Wings team was was they had team toughness. I mean, Datsuk and Zetterberg, what was great about them is they were 200-foot players. They were fabulous 200-foot players. They weren't just amazing skill. Yeah, and they were they were two of the highest skilled guys in the league, make no mistake. But 200 feet, those guys were amazing. I look at the Carolina Hurricanes right now on that top line with Aho and, and uh and Svechnikov. I mean, Aho and Svechnikov, yes, they are two of the best offensive players in the league. But Aho and Svechnikov are terrific away from the puck, terrific in their own zone, and especially for young guys like they are. I just I, I look at the Leafs and I go, they're not getting that, and this is you know, it, it, not meaning to take up for Mike Babcock because what he did to Mitch Marner was pretty appalling. And for, you know, what an asshole he sounded like. Like, it's tough to stand up for that guy. But, I mean, before all that came out, everybody hated on him because he was trying to get this team to play 200-foot hockey. And they didn't want to buy in. And so Babcock was the bad guy. No, Babcock was right. Babcock may have been a huge asshole, but he was right. And I, I, you know, now you're seeing Sheldon Keith saying the exact same things that Mike Babcock was saying. Now, again, make no mistake with the Leafs; they're they're a team that, you know, they're not getting the goaltending. Oh, well, staff messaging me, probably to tell me that she's hooking up with a guy, whatever. She met Ryan Getzlaff at the airport last night. That was cool. Sent me a picture. I was hoping she'd run into the Caps when she got down because she met the Ducks right when they were getting on their flight to leave Calgary. And and then I thought, well, the Caps played later than... Caps and Knights played later, and... And, I mean, she went to school. She grew up with Holpe. And so I thought, well, if she runs into Braden at the airport, she damn well better get a picture with Ovechkin too. Like, I do not care that she wasn't tight with Braden or anything like that. You walk up to him and say, hey, Braden, how's it going? Long time. No, see, how's the family? I don't care. Where's this Ovechkin guy that Tyler wants me to get a picture with? That's what you do. Because Steph doesn't really know hockey that well. She'd know Ovechkin. Oh, where was I? I mean, I do, you know, and I got friends, a lot of close friends that are Leafs fans, and I feel for them because, again, th- this is a franchise that it's so good for the league when they're good because you either love them or you hate them, unless you're me. <laughs> and I'm about the only one who's like, yeah, you know, I I pull for them to be good because it's good for the league. If they win a cup, I don't know if I'd like celebrate or anything like that. But it's good for the league. And people, it gets lost on people that that fan base has suffered more than any other fan base around hockey. I don't like to see fan bases suffer. I'm an Oilers fan. I know what suffering is. I don't like it. I don't wish it upon anyone. It's cruel. Anyway. I am um, going to do what I should have done more of this season. Right now. Now we did do a couple podcasts. And I'm not just going to talk about this one team. I'm going to talk about uh, another team too. But my favorite team in another league. But... Um, my Lloyd Minster Bobcats. Now, as I record this, um, Family Day yesterday, and they're coming off a, a beatdown against the at the hands of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, the number one team in the C- CJHL rankings. That means the entire country, tier two junior hockey, they are number one. And deservedly so for the Crusaders. Uh, but the week before, a week ago, as of you're listening to this, the Wednesday, so a week ago today, well, for me, six days ago. It's 10.03 on thir- Tuesday night. But you're listening to this on Wednesday. So a week ago today, first, this wasn't a week ago today, but first, they beat the Brooks Bandits, who at the time were the number one-ranked team in the country. And they they were probably ranked first longer than any other team this season. But a week ago today, they knocked off the short Park Crusaders, who were the number one-ranked team in the nation, and still are, despite that loss. Despite the, despite the loss on Family Day, too, like the Cats, they're... They're closing. They're playing well to close out the season, and it, it's a it's a massive rebuild right now. This thing, quite frankly, was a mess. You know, Nigel Dubay stepped into a situation that needed time, needed time to really just just get things built right, and I feel like that's what. That's what Nigel's doing. He's he's really making sure that things aren't just rebuilt, but they're rebuilt very properly. Like I say, he's he's laying the foundation. He's not just laying a foundation; he's laying the right foundation. And it's take and it's taking time. Going to take time to do it right, but it'll be so worth it. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things. It'll be a drop in the bucket with the pain for a ton of glory down the line if it's done right. And, and like, I really hope that Nigel gets his time. And it's, don't read anything into that. It's not at all to suggest he's on the hot seat. I mean, I haven't heard anything to suggest that whatsoever. But I just, like, I know how people can be impatient. And and some people who maybe don't understand what's going on, they just understand, ah, oh, we want to win now, rah, rah, team. Take your time. And, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know, like I, I'm the guy who's sitting here, like I am very pro-rebuild. I'm not rebuild on the fly guy. I'm not reload guy. I'm rebuild guy. I'm like an... MLB run organization let's burn it to the fucking ground and make sure we do everything right and I I from afar I mean I I do the color for the games I'm not around the team that much I'm around the coaching staff after games and stuff but I, I just I I feel Nigel Brady Backy, Chris Weeb like I just feel they're doing it right and, you know, the results don't look terrific on paper this year, but, man, watching this team from the start of the year to now, who night and day, night and day. They, they they were blown out quite a bit in the early going. And, I mean, yeah, they got blown out on Monday, but that was to the number one team in the nation uh, who had just, they had just knocked off. So, obviously, Shore Park was pretty pissed off in that game wanting to get that win back you know like but the but the cats have been fighting tooth and nail with everyone you know shootout loss in in Fort McMurray beat Sherwood Park shootout loss in Bonnyville when they were down 4-1 early in the second period uh, uh they beat they beat Drayton Valley was it Drayton Valley at home yeah it was and they came back to win that one you know they, they played Spruce Grove tough they, It's, you know, they beat Brooks. They gave Okotoks, who's, you know, top 10 team in the nation. You know, they fluctuated week to week here. I think they're at six right now. Gave Okotoks a hell of a game. Like, yeah, it's, we're really starting to see, you know, Nigel build it right. The big thing that's been lacking in Lloyd, we've, with this junior A team, we've had winners in the past, but historically, it's a losing organization. And so guys say, well, even when we've won, we haven't drawn that well. You need to maintain a winner. You can't just have a flash in the pan. You know, we've had two that I, I thinking off the top of my head anyway, they've had two somewhat sustained runs of success. in from about 98, 99 for sure, but 98 to 2001, they had a pretty good run in there. I know 99 and 2000, they had two really strong teams. 2000, they were probably – that was the year Fort McMurray ho- hosted Nationals and they had Scotty Upshaw on their team. Fort McMurray absolutely like just bought every player they could to ensure that they you know, were a powerhouse for Nationals. That's who Lloyd got bounced by that year. At that time, they're known as the Blazers. And uh, you know, any other year, that Blazers team would have would have probably won the league. But they just happened to run into Fort McMurray the year that Fort McMurray was hosting nationals. What am I at so far? 46. Okay. So <laughs> So that that was a good run. And then from 2014. 2016 when they hosted the RBC uh, again Nationals for those who don't follow the AJHL uh, or follow CJHL hockey that was the other time they had sustained success but I mean that's what 7 years and I mean they've had other seasons that have been good but there's been so much losing in this town that there's no way, there's no way, fans will truly buy in. And hey, they get really good crowds. They're right up there for attendance in the AJHL, despite, despite a, a lot of downtimes these last few seasons. You know, since the RBC, they've had a lot of down years, but they've had they've sustained pretty decent crowd numbers. But if you want to get to a point where you're getting fifteen hundred a night. Maybe that's a little lofty, but you know, a thousand a night. If you want to get to that level, you gotta sustain. New rank will help. New rank will help, but they they need to sustain a winner. And Nigel comes from that winning organization in Camros under Boris Rebelka, that has done just that. So I I I think, you know. I, I really think big things are ahead for the Lloyd Bobcats. And, and you know, it might be a little weird to say, you know, congrats to them after, you know, because they've, they've had their struggles this season. There's no doubt. But I, I do. I, I really think, you know, because, you know, going in next week, you know, a week from today, it's going to be their last home – or their last game, yeah, their last game, period, not just their last home game. Uh but, yeah, those kids have worked their balls off. They've got a great group of kids. Great. And, uh, yeah, it's just everything's being built the right way. The The work they do in the community is nonstop. Like, they go above and beyond. And that, again, that's under Nigel's leadership. Um, yeah, this might not look like it to some, but having watched this team grow from the start of the season and now, it's – Real good things are coming for this organization. They just got to stick with the plan. And, uh, you know, any fans out there, any any locals listening to the podcast, I I highly recommend getting out to some games. Obviously, they only got one left this season. But next season, get out to some games because they're going to be a much improved hockey club next season. And and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, get on the bandwagon early. So, Years down the road, you can be the annoying person telling telling other people, I was here when they first started to win. I was here when they only won nine games. Those were the days, you know, talk down to people in that sense. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Tier 2 Jr., if I'm going to talk about Tier 2 Jr., I've got to talk about my favorite team, in the SJHL, that being the Flin Flon Bombers led by Hayden Clayton. Because I can't say Easton or Chase because they're my nephews. So I'm going to give Clayton the nods. Nah, can't give that to Clayton just yet. Although it sounds like he's playing really well. He's a buddy of my nephews, Easton and Chase. Came over from Whitecourt at the trade deadline. No, but this Flynn Bombers team, like, so in the SJHL this year, you've got North Balfour North Stars. They're the top team. They're the top dog. And you got the Flynn Bombers who really look like their only opposition. But the Flynn Flon Bombers don't just look like their only opposition. To me, having followed it this season, Flynn Flon's the favorite in my mind going into the playoffs in the SJHL. Now this is a, this is talking as a guy who it's his first season following the SJHL since I was following around Bart Redden in the North Battle for North Stars in 1997. So, and for those, you know, that's, that's Bart is Wade's brother. Uh, yeah, that, that was the last time I watched SJHL hockey. Uh, so obviously with the Twins going up to Flin Flon this season, I'm watching it now. Flin Flon, so Battleford has, let's see here, four wins against them in six games this season. The two wins, well, let's start off with the first game. The first game, Flin Flon lost to Battleford 10-3. This was at the SJHL showcase early in the season. Flin Flon, that day, I think it was a 1 o'clock start, they played at 7 o'clock the night before and then played at 1 o'clock the next afternoon. It gets better. That was their fourth game in five days. So not only did they have the quick turnaround that, that day, or those two days, they had just played on the Saturday and, or the Friday and Saturday before that. So that was the first game at the, at the showcase on the Monday, and the next game Tuesday. <laughs> so they played in Flin Flon, which is, I think, a six-hour drive from Warman, Saskatchewan. So they played two games in Flin Flon, would have spent the Sunday driving down to Warman, the six-hour drive, then played on the Monday night, and then had to turn around and play right away against a rested North Battleford North Stars team who it's like an hour drive from Battleford to Warman. And the North Stars did not play. I don't think the North Stars played the day. I think they played on the Sunday. So I want to say Battleford had a day off, but they for sure had a lot of rest in between those games. And so, as, as you would expect, you know, and just in case you're doubting how, like, this was clearly just a case of one team just gassing out, end of the first period, Flintflon Flon was up on Battleford 3 2. Then it was still 3 2, under five minutes to play in the second period. Battleford gets two goals, two quick goals before the end of the second period. Boom, it goes from 3 2. Flynn Flon to 4-3 Battleford at the end of the second. Well, what's happening? Why'd they come at the end of the period? Because Flynn Flon's gassing out. What happened in the third period? They got shelled for six goals. They were completely gassed. And they lost 10-3. The next game in Battleford, much more indicative of how these two teams match up. I think Flynn Flon lost... I think oh well, I'm like I know they lost but I think it was three two in overtime. Flynn Flon was up late. Battleford got a late one to tie it, won it in overtime. And again, I I swear this isn't a Homer opinion. Can't remember who it was. I think it was Alex Mallow, who's maybe their best player, got blatantly hauled down on a scoring opportunity in overtime. Play came back the other way, and Battleford won. And that's. That's fine. I mean, miss calls bullshit. But even then, 3-2 and for Battleford and, and a, a anyone's game, right? The next game, again in Battleford, I'm there for this one. Flynn Flon completely outplayed them for 50 minutes. First 10 minutes, Battleford was all over them, got a one nothing lead. After that, it was all Flynn Flon. Dominated. And Corey Schwab's kid, I can't remember what his name is, but it's Corey Schwab's kid, the former New Jersey Devils goaltender, and Tampa Bay, and Schwab bounced around the league. I think he spent a little bit of time in Toronto. Schwab's kid stood on his head, stole the game for the North Stars. They won 3-2. I can't remember what the shots ended up in that game, but I was going to say it was like 40-20 for Flin Flon. Like just badly outshot them. Maybe 43, something like that. But it it just dominated the play. The next night, I couldn't be there for the next game, and they play back to back nights in Battleford. So, like, you're you're feeling after that OT game, and after, and after you know game they dominated, deserved to win, and didn't get the win. You're kind of feeling like, okay, it's coming. You can feel it coming. You can feel it coming. The next night, oh, it came. Flynn Flon won the game in North Battleford by a score of ten to one. The Battleford North Stars in this game did not have the excuse that the Flin Flon Bombers had in their blowout loss of being gassed. Nope. Same two teams played the night before. 10-1. to one. Oh, well, that's just a one-off. Everything must have went wrong for Battleford, yada, yada, yada. Finally, last weekend, Battleford traveled up to Flin Flon to play the Bombers and on the Friday night, they lost to Flin Flon by a score of 6-1. to one. Battleford came back, in fairness, Battleford came back with 4-1 win on Saturday. But the 6-1 defeat was a beat down. The 4-1 defeat was... Battleford came out hard. I think it was 2-0, maybe only 1-0 after 1. Badly outshot them from there. It was pretty evenly played. But, you know, as you would expect, a 4-1 game, back and forth game, You uh, know, it, it was a close game. The 6-1 game won a close game. So in my biased opinion, SJHL's headed for a heck of a league finals. It's going to be Battleford and it's going to be flin and barring any upsets. gonna be a heck of a finals. And uh, I mean, we'll see, we'll see, not to disrespect any of the other teams in the league, and I very much so am in saying that. but I you know it's it's exciting watching my nephews not only play that kind of hockey but play on teams like that. And like the big difference in the SJHL compared to the AJHL, because I've watched both leagues closely this year, the AJHL has four teams, and sometimes those teams vary as to who exactly they are. But they ha- usually every year they have about four teams that aren't really AJHL teams. They're NCAA farm teams, for lack of a better word. Now, and this year at Shore Park, at Spruce Grove, Spruce Grove, always one of them. Brooks is always one of them. And then Okotoks has emerged as one of them in the last few years. So they're all kind of like, yeah. I don't know another way to describe them. But they're all the kids who want to go the NCAA route. I mean, that's that's where you go. You know, you look at Shore Park this year. They got Savoy and Benning. Savoy and Benning should be in the WHL. But they want to go to college. So they're in Shore Park. You know, Ethan Edwards. Probably should be in the WHL. He's in Spruce Grove. Uh, Carson Kuhlman's should be in the WHL. He's in Brooks. You know, go down the list. So that's what the SJHL doesn't have. It's a very balanced league. You know, like I, I you know, I hear it from people all the time. But the SJHL isn't the AJHL. It's not close. Well, yeah, because it did not have those like four teams. The SJHL they have a draft. The AJHL, it's open season on kids. And it, it's, it's just different. So you're able to, plus, you know, the AJHL, you've got Edmonton and Calgary to draw from. You know, both those cities, I think now, are over a million people. And if the cities aren't, the uh, surrounding areas definitely are. I mean, what's Saskatoon? 300,000? Regina's two? 200,000? 250? It's just it's not the same. It's not the, not anywhere close to the same population. So obviously you are going to have better players coming out of, or you know, more high end players coming out of Alberta. Like it's just the way it is. But uh, you know, if you take those top teams in the SJHL like Battleford and Flin Flon, they are better talent wise than. The next tier of essentially everyone else, every other team that is, in the AJHL, Drumheller, Bonneville, those type of teams. You know, Whitecourt. They're they're better than those teams, I think. Be close. But they're not quite like the like the one team of the top four that they might be there with is Spruce Grove this season. Spruce Grove's a little bit of a down season, although we'll see how they do in the playoffs. Cause I mean, that's in the AJHL North, that's the premier organization. This year they're being challenged by a damn good Sherwood Park team. It's going to be a heck of an AJHL North final. All due respect to uh, Bonneville, Whitecourt, Drayton Valley, Fort McMurray, Grand Prairie. I think I got that order right off the top of my head. Uh, all due respect to those teams, the AJHL North is set. And all due respect to Drumheller, Camrose, go down the list of the teams in the south. The south final is set. It is Brooks and it is Okotoks. And those top four teams will play in the north and south finals. And we'll see who ends up in the finals. I would guess it's going to be Sherwood Park. And I think it's a coin flip in the south. Okotoks is really good. Brooks is really good. Brooks has fallen off, though, pretty hard here lately. So we'll see. I I think I'd still put my money on Brooks. But we'll see. Uh, But, yeah, so the SJHL, it's going to be fun to watch for me, you know, selfishly because – and the Twins are having great seasons. They were in – they made the SJHL's all-star team. I think it's an all-star team. It's another showcase. Uh, And it's it's pretty rare – for kids in their 19-year-old seasons to make that game, apparently. I know that's what they were saying on the broadcast. Rod Peterson and those guys who did the broadcast for Sastel were saying that. And uh, the first game, I know the Twins, they uh, they got rave reviews from the broadcast team. Uh, third period, they were saying they were the best line in the game. So that was fun. But yeah, it's... Uh Gonna be a heck of a league final, in my opinion. If it's Flynn Flawn and Battleford in the SJ, and the top four playing off in the AJ will be great. Uh, yeah. Love watching the junior hockey, man. Love watching. Okay. Many of you don't listen to me for my junior hockey analysis. I hope you enjoyed that because I enjoy talking about it, and I know a lot of. I know there are some people out there who do enjoy listening to that, but you listen to me, you listen, you want opinions on what's going on in the NHL. Specifically, you want Euler talk. We'll get... So what I decided here, I had to pause it right in the middle of my talk about junior hockey and junior A hockey, that is. I I had to do my break where I broke it up and stop it and start it again anyway as i was waiting for that to transpire because it takes a few minutes i kind of figured okay let's just do a soups on hockey podcast and then let's do an oilers podcast so this is legitimately soups on hockey today and because the trade deadline's coming up let's just fucking go All in on trade deadline. And then hopefully my voice, my strep throat won't kick in in time. And I'll be able to do an Oilers podcast as well. So let's get to the trades that have happened. Okay. I didn't even write this one down because you heard me writing them down or typing them. Jason Zucker to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, Taylor Hall to the Arizona Coyotes. Those are two that have already happened. Tyler Toffoli Dylan DeMello Brendan Dillon Alec Martinez Sounds like it's going to be done Andy Green Blake Coleman Kyle Clifford And Jack Campbell Marco Scandella I think I've hit all of them I mean do I really want to talk about The Julian Goche trade And I think that was a heck of a trade For the uh, For the New York Rangers I, I, I'm not I'm not really up on Joey Keene I mean I know about him but I can't tell you where he is as a prospect at this point in time just going through the list now actually on TSN did the Zucker trade Clifford and Campbell Nyberg that's not one Dauphin that's not one I mean Froelich earlier in the season went to Calgary obviously Scandella I mean for Mark Bergevin to turn around and get a second for Scandella when he had to pay a fourth to Buffalo I mean that's Great, and he also got. Did he get a comp pick in that as well? Yeah, or a conditional pick, I should say. Conditional fourth round pick in twenty twenty one. So he might recoup the fourth, and he and he got the second. That's crazy. That is crazy, but no, I've I've talked about the main ones here. I've I've got to all of them. So let's talk about them. First of all, first things first. Very obvious. Seller's market, which makes me reiterate even more. Mark Bergevin, sell the fucking farm. Well, don't sell the farm, but sell, 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 fucking sell. I'm not one of these guys who thinks, and I might have said this before, but in hindsight, I would have been wrong. Mark Bergevin definitely shouldn't be fired because of the job he's done. He shouldn't be because you look at his track record. His track record making deals is pretty good. What Mark Bergevin needs is to be told, "Mark, we need you to rebuild this, and we don't just need you to rebuild this. We need you to burn this to the fucking ground and get it rebuilt right." As I've talked about, if Bergevin didn't want doesn't want to do that, then okay, then you need to change course. But if you can get Mark Bergevin on board to do that holy shit the opportunity for the Montreal Canadiens is just staggering because it's kind of mind-blowing listening to some of their media and some of their fans talk about the team right now how close they think they are when in reality they're delusional and I, I maybe I'm rougher on them because they remind me so much of the 2009 Edmonton Oilers where everybody was saying, ah, oh, the Oilers, they're, they're going to win the division this year. They might win the Pacific Division this year. They're so good. They've, they're they so deep. Like, look at all the guys they've got. Look at all the youngsters they got Andrew Cogliano and Sam Gagne and Robert Nielsen. And they brought in Eric Cole and, and and look at the blue line of Vishnovsky and Surrey and they got Rollison and Goal. And yeah, they had an extremely deep team. They didn't have one fucking player to build around. Now, the Montreal Canadiens have two guys to build around, except for it's not 2014 anymore. Shea Weber is not going to be, like he's past his prime. Carey Price, past his prime. Yeah, you know, I heard Eric Engels yesterday, or two days ago now, as you're listening to this, but I heard him on Hockey Central and he's talking about, you know, who the Montreal Canadiens would trade. And he goes, Brendan Gallagher, well, you're you're not trading Brendan Gallagher. I mean, he's he's a foundational piece. He's he's a guy you win with. Huh? And don't get me wrong here. I love Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher is next season on the final year of a very good deal. 3.75, I want to say it pays him. You watch The Montreal Canadiens are going to badly overpay Brendan Gallagher. And Brendan Gallagher, by the end of next season, will be, especially with the way he plays, will be well past his best before date. But the way that it seems like the Habs are going here, they're going to give him a monster contract that's going to be Suicidal, it is going to be organizational suicide. You can see it coming. They want to keep Jonathan Drewen, okay? They want to keep Thomas Tatar, okay? Same situation as Gallagher, not so much that Tatar, I think Tatar's got a little more mileage left than Gallagher because of the way. He plays isn't as, isn't as hard on the body as the way Gallagher plays. better wheels but that deal that's a pretty good deal right now it's gonna ex- excuse me it's gonna expire. He's a free agent. What do you do? Jeff Petrie he's gonna get paid a lot of money free agent what do you do? Let me ask you this too. who the fuck? is the one guy that the Montreal Canadiens are building around here. Don't give me Carey Price. That's gone. Those days are gone. Now I still think Carey Price can be an effective goaltender for five more years. I think that's fair. Five more years is what he can give you. Um, I don't think any goaltender should play more than 50 games anymore. So... You're paying a guy, think about this, you're paying a guy $10.5 million to play 50 games for you. And if he plays more than that, you're likely running him, you know, you're kind of wearing him out. So you got to sink even more than that. Into your goaltending, you, pro- you probably gonna well. I mean, hey, let's let's not be you know. Caden Primo's looks sharp at times, so let's be fair. Won't cost a whole lot more than that, but still, ten point five million on your goaltending is is extreme. It's extreme. Shea Weber, I mean, hey, he's gonna play the rest of the season, which it looked like he was gonna be out. Do you trust him health wise moving forward, though? Do you? Who's the piece you're building around there? I'll give you the answer. There isn't one. And they don't. And again, I go back to the mix, as I've talked about with teams. The mix in Montreal is not good, they're heavy on the wings. They don't have a whole lot on the blue line. I keep hearing about how good their prospects are. Look, I'm not looking to shit on Trevor Timmons drafting. I'm really not. But at the same time, I heard this with the Minnesota Wild for a long time. Oh, the Minnesota Wild had such a great prospect base. They had so many great kids. They didn't have one kid worth building around. You can hit on 2nd and 3rd round picks and that is awesome. The Tampa Bay Lightning have hit on a ton of 2nd and 3rd round picks. The Tampa Bay Lightning. The biggest reason why the Tampa Bay Lightning have been successful is because they had Stamkos, Hedman, and eventually Vasilevsky to build around. Now, Kucherov came in, and he was a second-round pick, and I think the 57th pick in the 2011 draft, and he became another one of those pillars. But that's catching lightning in a bottle. Okay? You can't depend on that. It's like how I hear now from guys, and I think Engel said this in his interview too, you know, he's a big advocate for rebuilding on the fly because Boston's done it. They hit grand slams on David Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy. And I don't even know if they hit a grand slam on Charlie McAvoy, but he's really good. And then Bergeron hasn't faded as fast as he should have, and Chara hasn't faded as fast as he should have. Chara's faded, and Bergeron's faded, but not to the level that that most players do. What the Boston Bruins did was they caught, again lightning in a bottle so it's not a rebuild on the fly it's getting insanely lucky now when you do a burn it to the ground rebuild from scratch type of rebuild when you do that type of rebuild it's not to say that luck isn't involved there either but that to me is a lot less about luck and more about, hey, this is strategy. Because at the top of the draft, you know you're likely, not in every situation, but you're likely to get foundational pieces. This here at the top of the draft, as I've discussed, this would be my move if I am the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. I would trade as many pieces as I could, including eating half of the salary on Carey Price and half of the salary on Shea Weber. The reason I would do this is to max out their value. I would load the bloody fuck up on assets. And then at the draft, if I don't win the top pick, I am in position to trade for that pick. Not to mention that you would still have a boatload of assets to build around. Because the thing about the Canadians right at the moment, and this is why I think the other reason why I think it's so vital that they rebuild now, is because if it goes south next year, as I believe it will, then what do you have? Then Max Domi isn't worth near as much. Then Brendan Gallagher's a free agent. Then Jeff Petrie's a free agent. Then Thomas Tatar's a free agent. Then Carey Price might be viewed as a has been. Then Shea Weber might be ready to retire. You strike now while you know you can capitalize on these assets. And what are you building for for next year? Seriously, are you? do you seriously think that the Montreal Canadiens are going to make a cup run next year? They're not even close. What do they got for centers? Philip Deneau? Philip Deneau on a good hockey club is a second-line center, if not a third-line center. Cock in the Emmy, will he be ready? I like the kid, but... Eh. Brian Palin, will he take a massive step? Eh? Like this this is not a club that's built to win. And the shit that I'm hearing from a lot of the media is mind-blowing. It's asinine. My buddy Yannick, I don't know how, how Yannick thinks. And Yannick, if you're listening, like, geez, I've gotten to know you this last year and you're a real good dude. I don't mean to shit on your habs at all. I'm not. I mean, I, I I'm wanting to see this because I'm wanting to see this organization back to where they should be. That's why it fires me up so much. And I agree with Yannick. Yannick's a big Bergevin guy, and I agree with him. But the the half in half out approach that they've had under Bergevin is it's not working. It's been eight years, guys. It is not working. Okay, they tried building around Carey Price. It didn't work out. It's a very similar situation in Edmonton where you have trouble drawing free agents. In Montreal's case, not because of the city, because of the taxes. Because of the taxes in Quebec, it's, it's astronomical. It's already bad in Canada, but it's especially bad in Quebec. And that's not... I don't really know that, but that's what I've been told. So... Build it through the draft, and especially this season. Lafreniere is coming out. He is francophone superstar. He, once, you know, first time in twenty years that francophone skater is going to be the first overall pick. Mark Andre Fleury was in two thousand three. Obviously, he's a goaltender. Vincent LeCavalier was the last Francophone skater to be chosen number one overall. There's been players out of the queue, Nathan Cannon, Sidney Crosby, Nova Scotia guys. There's been a goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury. Not since Vincent LeCavalier has there been the Francophone superstar. And here's your chance. Here is your fucking chance to get this kid and build around him. And to and you've already got some real good pieces. Imagine, and I think Lafreniere is a center. I, I if I'm an NHL team, I'm drafting him as a center and I'm putting him at center. I don't care that he's playing the wing right now. I really don't. I think you're wasting your talent or wasting his talent if you leave him on the wing. Imagine him with Cole Caulfield. Whoo! All of a sudden, I like Cole Caulfield a hell of a lot better because he has a center that can get him the puck. Cole Caulfield's not playing with a center who can get him the pu- or can't get him the puck. Ooh, that might be a pissed away draft pick. Let's be honest here. Like, and, and and it's not just this draft. I mean, I'm talking about a very long but well thought out rebuild. Think of 2022. You've got three kids at the moment in the coming out in 2022. Who knows what will happen in that time. But right now for sure. Sound like Bob Cole saying it. For sure. In 2022 you have Shane Wright. Whoo. Shane Wright looks like the next superstar. Like elite. What's the word? Not elite. (laughs) Uh, Like he looks like that. Transcendent superstar like McDavid, like Crosby. He looks like the next of those guys. Then you've got Matthew Savoy out of St. Albert. Do- at this point, doesn't look like on- he's on Wright's level, but Savoy looks like if Wright is McDavid, Savoy's Eichel. And then you have the Finnish Saskatchewan kid, Brad Lambert. I still I don't think I'll ever stop laughing at the fact that a kid named Brad Lambert plays is is playing for Finland. But I mean, hey, that's where that's that's where he grew up, and he, I think he played a year in I think Swift Current, but maybe Saskatoon. But for the most part, he's grown up in Finland, and that seems to be the route he's going. Um, I mean, again, if you're the Habs, you, you don't want to be in position to get one of those three kids. Those three kids look like superstars. Well, two super two look like superstars. And, I mean, I'm a little torn on what Lambert looks like at this point, to be honest with you, but I don't see him, right? So, I mean, I saw him at the Blanca. That's about it. So, like... And it's not like the 2021 draft. It's not as high profile, but I'm telling you, I'm looking at the Dub kids for next year and the Western kids in general. And whoo, Cole Sillinger's putting up over a point per game in the Dub this year. Like Cole Sillinger's putting up ridiculous numbers for a 16-year-old in the WHL. Ridiculous. And he might not even be the best prospect in the WHL. This time next year, we might be talking about Lambos as the number one. You know, big defenseman out of, out of Winnipeg. You know, we might be talking about Dylan Gunther, who's also a point-per-game player in the dub this year as a 16-year-old. You, know, you got Kent Johnson going to Michigan next season out of the BCHL. Kent Johnson might be a kid who we're talking about as one of the top picks. Are they superstar players? No, but... High, high-end players. These, and and centers, man. Montreal, centers. For, jeez, like I could go off, but get some centers to build around. Kakeniemi was a nice start. And Kakeniemi, again, he might end up developing. They did the right thing sending him to Laval he might end up being that first-line center still. But you do not know that at this time. Oh, I I didn't have any of that written down. I went off. I blacked out and I went off about them again. Like, that's like the second time in three podcasts I went off about Montreal. Because I want to see that team back to where they should be. And And I'm fearful that they're just, gonna ram their heads into the wall and by the time they finally go you know what we need to rebuild it's gonna be way too late the amount of and especially being a seller's market the amount of things that they could get right now astronomical can you imagine what the return would be on petrie and gallagher and domi Uh, it sounds like they might trade domi and i'll get to domi later hint hint no, because I'm going to do it. It won't be later. It'll be on the Oilers podcast. Hint, hint. But to tar, if you ate half on Carey Price, the other benefit to eating half on Price and Weber, as I said in the, you know, whenever it was the last time I did this rant, that's like $9 million plus you'd be eating but if you're in it for six years but if you're rebuilding and if you're like doing a massive rebuild you need that cat you need to burn cap dollars to get to the floor any way you can that 9 million helps then you don't have to spend it that 9 million on guys who can you know hurt your draft position and, you know, if you do it right, you might say, well, you're pissing away $9 million for six years. Are you kidding me? Hey, I get it. But if you're doing it right and stockpiling with assets the way that you should be, that 9000000 million won't make a big difference because you'll have guys on their ELCs who will be, you know, you can justify that $9 million for spread out amongst, you know, three or four guys on their ELCs. If you do it right. The day that an NHL team does it right. Toronto did it more right than anyone. And Toronto still didn't do it right. In my opinion. Like not to the level that I would go to. And and when you're in a market like Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal. I mean. These organizations should have the most amazing rebuilds of any organization in the league. Because they sell out every night. So what does it matter? You don't have to worry. I'll never forget people used to say, oh, you can't rebuild in Toronto, the fan pressure. What the fuck does fan pressure mean? Let's be honest. Why, why should guys be, care about fan pressure? You're selling out the building every night. Who cares? Who cares? Anyway. Okay, getting back to the trade deadline. Good Jeez. Again, seller's market. Any team who can sell should be selling. Um, I like the Toffoli deal for the Canucks once I found out that Brock Besser sounds like he's done for the regular season, if not longer. Uh, I hated it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it before that. I I thought Toffoli doesn't move the needle much. You know, he's an okay player. I mean, people forget with Toffoli – When he entered the league, Jeff Carter was one of the best second line centers in the league. Anje Kopitar is one of the best centers in the league. Period, and that lasted for about two or three seasons there, or fully two or three, or maybe even four. uh, First four seasons in the league, maximum, Uh, and he still never put up big numbers. He had good seasons. He had real good seasons. I think he had one 50 point season was (sighs) trying to think did he have a 50 point season I'm just looking it up right now I can't I or no not a 50 point season sorry I know he had a 50 point season did he have a 30 goal season is what I'm wondering out loud uh let's see he had 31 in 2016 so there you go 58 points here's Tyler Toffoli's other seasons 29.62 games, that's his rookie year. 49 points in 76 games. Okay, that's all right. Here's the big season, 58 points, 31 goals, 82 games in 2016. 2017, 34 points, 16 goals in 63 games. 2018, 82 games played, 24 goals, 47 points. Meh. Last season, 34 points, just 13 goals in 82 games. Anyone could have had him. And this season, 34 points, 18 goals, and just 58 games. This is not someone who is big time moving the needle. Yet, in my opinion, because of when he came in the league and how he stepped on to a Stanley Cup champion in LA, I think people have overrated him in his career. Not that he's not a nice player, he is. But I just think people view him in a very different light than if Tyler Toffoli had been in, you know, with the Florida Panthers putting up those same numbers. I don't think anybody would be like, hey, you know, Vancouver, they sure look like they're going for it now that they got Tyler Toffoli. And, I mean, you are going for it anytime you you make a trade deadline move. But, or, you know, rental pickup. But this... This is not something that I look at the the Vancouver Canucks, even if Brock Besser were healthy, and I go, oh, wow, look out for the Canucks now. No, I'd say, eh, they they might have a bit more scoring in the lineup, but also Toffoli's not that great of a skater, and he's not that big. So, meh. And is Toffoli Brock Besser? Nope. Sure ain't. Sure ain't. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much I like that one. i got to speed it up because I want to be done this podcast here in the next half hour, and then I still got to do another one. Uh, Dylan DeMello, meh, Winnipeg overpaid in my opinion. Brennan Dillon, meh, Washington overpaid in my opinion. Alec Martinez, that one's better. That, that's the one that I probably like the most because Vegas had a very big gaping hole. And, I mean, this deal isn't done, so who knows? But Bob McKenzie comes out and says the deal's almost done. Bob's as good as anyone. The If Bob says it's almost done, then it's probably done, you know? It's probably done. And I'm, I'm going to guess that it was actually done. It's just for probably cap purposes. They've held off. That's what I'm guessing. Um... Yeah, two second-rounders, it's steep, but Vegas can afford to pay it, and Vegas badly needed a top-four defenseman. So now they got it. They got three top-four defensemen. They still need a fourth, but it big-time improves their blue line, even though I'm not the biggest Alec Martinez fan, to be honest with you, but it big-time improves their blue line. Vegas is the team, if they make that one more addition to their blue line, they should win the Pacific. I mean, the way they're going, I'm I'm surprised that they have turned it around under Peter DeBoer. I really am because I didn't think that coaching was a problem at all. They've clearly got a jolt. You know, they beat Washington the other day. Uh, they've had some big wins in general lately. Uh, that they, they're really coming on. It's as an Oilers fan, you're noticing that it's tough to tough to shake them right now for the Oilers even though the Oilers, I think, got a game in hand, if not two. I think they got two, actually, as I'm saying this. But, uh, yeah, Vegas is coming on strong. Um, Andy Green, that was the guy who had Andy Green forever, falling in love with Andy Green and Lou Lamorello. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't have paid it. I know it was a 2021 second-round pick. I wouldn't have paid it. Um. And he's a nice player, but I don't know. The Blake Coleman trade, obviously that's the one that's got the most attention because of what a jer- what Jersey got back. Not that I didn't, like I said this on Twitter, I-, I didn't like the deal for Tampa, but I get what they're actually paying for here. And that's lost on people. They're not paying that first-round pick and Nolan Foote because they believe that Blake Coleman is such an amazing player. They're paying the first, and it was Vancouver's first too, it wasn't even their first, which it should have been. They're paying that price because they're getting a 30-goal scorer, or what will potentially be a 30-goal scorer, at $1.8 million next year. That's one of the best value contracts in the league. Elliot Friedman came out yesterday. Yes, I did it. I said yesterday, even though it's 11 o'clock on Tuesday. It was actually today. Elliot Friedman came out in 31 Thoughts. It was the second thought. And he said that the Oilers were actually willing to pay their first for Blake Coleman. And again, why? Because of the value of that $1.8 million. 30 goals. And this isn't the first time Blake Coleman's looked good. He's had good seasons in Jersey. He's a burner of a skater. He, he can put the puck in the net. Like I'm thinking with Tampa, I know they've had point playing with Kucherov and, and Stamkos this year. I'm wondering if they don't move Stamkos back to the middle, point back to his own line, and Coleman takes up shop in the spot where Vladimestikov and then later JT Miller were playing. Just thinking out loud. 1.8 million for 30 goals, like that's huge. So I get it. I still, I still wouldn't have given up Nolan Foote. I understand giving up one of those first-round picks when you've got one to trade. Well, you don't have one to trade, but you've got an extra one. I mean, I hate pissing away assets like some of these NHL teams do, but I, I get it. I totally get the value there. Um, The Kyle Clifford deal and Jack Campbell deal for Toronto, that was reasonable. That seemed very reasonable. Uh, The Leafs need to do a lot more than Clifford to address their lack of, you know, they're so one-dimensional up front, man. I talked about it earlier. They're just way too one-dimensional up front. Clifford helps. If I'm the Leafs, I'm, I'm going hard after not just Josh Manson on the back end. I'm trying to get Nick Ritchie in that deal too. And Leaf fans, you might not like me saying this. I wouldn't be afraid to give up William Nylander for those two. If you could get Manson and, and Ritchie, I would, I would part with Nylander to do that. Now, would they have to? I don't know. I I really don't know. And I don't know if William Nylander is Bob Murray's cup of tea. And to put on top of all that, I'm not sure how bad the Ducks, you know, the Ducks, in my opinion, need to do what the Canadians have done or sorry, haven't done, but should do what I think the Canadians should do, but. The ducks, I understand it a lot more. They've got to worry about paying customers. They got to worry about the business side of things. But if the Leafs, Leafs could get Manson and and Richie, that would be good. That would be good. But can can you do that? Maybe with Capitan plus plus. You might. You might. Could you do it with Capitan and Janssen? You might. Can you do it with Bracco? No. Not a chance. But I know there's a Leaf fan out there somewhere that's thinking that. Finally, the Marcos Candela trade. And hey, Mark Bergevin, do more of that. Do more of that. I already talked about it a little bit, so I'm not going to go into it. Um... Yeah, so those are the trades that have happened so far. As for what else might happen, sounds like Chris Kreider to Boston. I like that. Chris Kreider's a Massachusetts kid. Boston, obviously, they love size. They love speed. Kreider brings both. Uh, Boston's going to pay up to get him for sure, but he's worth it for Boston. Boston's in win-now mode yeah that's that's one I can definitely get behind um what else I mean there's lots else. just trying to think, oh, before I forget about it man, uh great to see that Jay Bowmeer is doing good. oh that like you talk about scary man that was that was scary. And apparently, we're getting an update today from Doug Armstrong on what the long—I term think it was today—that was supposed to come out anyway on what the long-term status is of Boehm Easter. Obviously, he's been placed on LTIR. Um, I have my doubts if Jay will play again. You saw it with Yuri Fisher. Yuri Fisher never played again. Rich Peverly. Rich Peverly never played again. Um, It—it's a shame. But then at the same time, you can also say, man, Jay Bomeister, what a fucking career. Won a Stanley Cup, thankfully, in what could have been his last full season. Uh, you have the scare, you dodge the bullet. Fuck. If I am Jay Bomeister, I get the desire to play, but, you know, tip your hat and say, fuck. Fuck, thank Christ, this wasn't worse. See ya. Like, you've made millions. You've had an amazing career. Have you had the career that people thought you would? No, that's kind of hurt Jay Meester's legacy a little bit. But, I mean, not, you know, not to the point that anybody says his career is not a success, obviously. Uh, I'm just thinking out loud of, you know, Jay was Jay was a disappointment for quite a few years in the NHL because he came in with so much fanfare. And I don't think guys graded defensemen the way that they do now back then. I think guys looked at the package and said, wow, this kid is six foot four and can fly. Well, he should be Bobby Orr. And it's just it's not the way it is. There's so much more that goes into it than that. Um yeah thank christ Jay Easter is healthy and doing good released a statement yesterday um yeah, just awesome that that was a scary situation that was following along with on Twitter that night I mean that was yeah i I don't know another word to say other than it was it was scary as hell and so awesome that he's that he's the that the paramedics in anaheim were did such an amazing job and and uh jay's seems to be doing a lot better and and seems to have dodged you know looks like anyway that he dodged a huge bullet and uh yeah i i mean obviously if he can continue to play and the doctors give him the green light i mean hey that'd be an awesome story and i'd be pumped for him but you know from afar, sitting here thinking about how the guy won the cup last year, he's played how many games now in his career is he at fifteen hundred? No, he wouldn't be at fifteen hundred. I don't think, but uh i mean the the career Jay bowmeer has had is unbelievable team Canada's like plural team Canada's like it's uh you know, twelve hundred games for J Bo Meester, twelve forty to be exact. Uh four hundred and twenty-four career points. Only eighty-eight goals. Man, that's something considering for three years, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, J Bo put up twelve and then back to back fifteen goal seasons. And he only ended up with eighty-eight goals. That's crazy. But it just shows you what a defensive defenseman he turned into. Like he, especially when he went to St. Louis under Ken Hitchcock, like he just turned into a absolute horse and stud defensively. He was already a real good defensive defenseman in Calgary, but went to another level. And I apologize for my voice, by the way. I am running out of gas, and I still got to do an Oilers podcast. Eesh, with what's feeling like it's going to be strep throat. So that sucks. Um, okay, back to back to trade deadline stuff. Uh sorry, I've gone off on quite a few tangents here tonight. Um, excuse me. Uh I'm still expecting Dallas to do something big. You know, and I I know what I'm about to say. I know that all these teams won't do something big, but I think they definitely should be looking to. Boston, Kreider, K. Florida, What do they do? They're looking for a defenseman. We'll see who they get. Man, at the prices that some of these guys are going for, if I'm Ken Holland, I know Oscar Clefbaum went down for two to three weeks today. But, jeez, and I know Chris Russell's not fully healthy yet, but if Chris Russell is healthy enough, I would be sitting. And I know this isn't the other part of the pro- podcast, but I got to say, if I'm Ken Holland, I am sitting down Chris Russell, and I'm saying, Chris, look. We got a chance to get something really good for you right now. You're probably not going to get much opportunity here moving forward because of the way other kids have stepped forward and produced. It's best for us and best for you if we did a deal. We'll try to send you where you want to go. Here's what's on the table. We'll try to accommodate you best, but it's for the best of both parties. If we move on in the, in the temporary or temporarily you got William Loggison who isn't as good defensively as Chris Russell at this point, but you know, Loggison's one of those guys just like Benson, just like Jones, the more he's going to need time to settle into the NHL game. But once he does, he might be better, a better version of Chris Russell. Just saying. Anyway, that's Florida. And by the end, I say that because I have a tough time believing that Chris Russell wouldn't accept a trade to Florida. Canadians should rebuild. Ottawa's rebuild's looking tremendous. Obviously, it remains to be seen what they do with Pajot. That's another one. Speaking of Holland, I, I was hoping that they'd be able to wait Ottawa out and get them for cheaper, but geez, the way these prices are, I don't know. Some GMs are going to have to pump the brakes until late in the trade deadline to see if they can get these guys cheaper. Tampa Bay, they've done their move with Blake Coleman. I don't think they'll do anything else. Could be wrong. Uh Toronto. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. The blue line's still in shambles. Uh Being honest, I think the bigger issue is up front and getting the right mix up front. Uh, Again, though, you know, William Nylander, if he could fetch both Josh Manson and Nick Ritchie, that would be tough to turn down. I don't know if he does it. That might take Janssen and Kapanen and then something else, probably, probably Liljegren. And I know they don't want to give up Jagrin But it might take something like that to get that kind of return. If Josh Manson's even available. Carolina, without a doubt, Carolina goaltender. Carolina gets Robin Lehner from the Blackhawks. Look the fuck out. If I'm Carolina too, the other thing I'm doing, I am not leaving Mark Bergvin alone about Carey Price. And I would want him at, I'd want Bergevin to eat some salary, but I would be throwing everything I possibly could at Mark Bergevin to get Carey price. Not that I think Kerry price is that great. I don't, but with that team, Carey price would be the piece to like go. Holy shit. That, Cause I think that highly of that roster, you know, but Robin Lehner would do the trick too for Carolina You know who might honestly do the trick? Even though I'm not as high, like, I know he's been shit, but if you could get the Kings to eat half of the salary on Jonathan Quick, that might be the piece. Carolina's close, even though they're fighting for their playoff lives right now. That team is close, and that team is loaded. Columbus, I don't know. Playing with house money as far as I'm concerned this year, so. Jersey, keep unloading. Probably won't be able to get rid of Subban, but Simmons, just keep doing what you're doing, Tommy Fitzgerald. New York Islanders, I don't know. Obviously, Lou wants to go for it, but that seems like a sinking ship to me. I'd be hesitant. The Rangers, eh. Nah. I forgot to mention like the Sabres, the Red Wings. I was kind of just going to do all the playoff teams, but now I'm just going to go through the whole thing. Uh, the Flyers. Nobody's really talking about the Flyers doing much. It's interesting. Because I think you always assume the Flyers could do something. So that's... Watch out for the Flyers. They could be sneaky here. Penguins, I mean, they did the Zucker trade already. I think if Jim Rutherford could do one more big thing, he will. In my opinion, it would be a defenseman. Capitals, they made their big move today for uh, Dylan. I don't think they'll do much more. Chicago, I'd trade Laner and Crawford. And Hawks fans don't want to hear that. I would trade both. I think both could get you a pretty good return. The Avs, the Avs are interesting. But if I'm the Avs, barring that, barring the perfect player coming along, I stand Pat. The window is just now opening. And I think the window's not completely open until next year when Boehm Byram's in that lineup. Then the window's wide-ass open, and that's when you start spending. Especially now with Rantanen. Though it sounds like Rantanen's going to be better, or he didn't break his clavicle. So he's only out weeks. So that's good. That's a good thing. i check my time again. 50 minutes. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Dallas, watch out for Dallas. That's all I'm going to say. Watch out for Dallas. They could make a lot of small additions up front that could make a lot of, that make a huge difference. If I had a, one team that I would say not really being talked about and could make a huge splash, I think the Dallas Stars could be that team. Minnesota, Billy Guerin, keep unloading. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Nashville, I don't know what David Poyle can do. I I don't think they're gonna offload like some have suggested with Granlin and Benino, but I, I don't know what they can add. They they would just need upgrades. Maybe a defenseman. You know, they're playing Jared Tenorti right now that's about it you know maybe bump Fabro back to that bottom pair and and find a right shot defenseman to play with one of yossi or uh ekholm obviously ellis the other one if ellis is healthy it's another thing st louis could still make an addition up front obviously they addressed the easter situation with scandela Uh, Winnipeg still need to add some defensemen. Watch out for them. Josh Manson's name's out there. Watch out for Winnipeg with Josh Manson. He's their kind of guy. Watch out for Winnipeg with Josh Manson. They got a lot of pieces they could give the Ducks. The Ducks, uh, I kind of don't know why you'd trade Josh Manson at this point unless you're doing a full teardown. And like I said, Anaheim should do a full teardown, but you got a business to worry about. The the one guy I would watch for Anaheim to be dealt is Ricard Raquel, because that was out there last year somewhat. Never forget, Friedman was asked about him, and he said, I think they'll listen, and Raquel hasn't been that good this season. But the thing about Raquel is his cap number is excellent. 3.87, I want to say. Click on it. Might as well click on it while I'm here. Oh, of course, cap friendly stopped working as I clicked on it. There we go. Uh, 3.789 for Raquel for two more seasons past this one. Oilers fans, you want a dark horse for your team? Ricard Raquel. Ducks fans, like, you know, this. watch out for Raquel to be dealt. That could be a big return for Bob Murray, and they're pretty good on the wings, so they they're not desperate to keep a guy like that. You might as well max out your value while you can can on a guy like that. Arizona kind of feels like they're done after the hall thing. I don't know if they should be. Um If Kemper's gonna be out for the season, watch out for them to get a goaltender. Watch out for them to go after Laner. Calgary. I sound like a Homer Oilers fan, but I'd sell. TJ Brody is not what he's advertised to be. You get a great haul for him right now, and uh, Calgary fans know this. He's, since 2015, been one of the most overrated defensemen in the league. If Travis Hamanick's not going to re-sign, send him. I think Winnipeg would be hot for him. He'd be, you know, that's a place where Hamanick might sign. I'd sell if I'm Calgary. And the other thing is, too, people don't talk about it. That system, jeez, That's, they, I don't know where that team's headed, man. I really don't and it's not at all the shit on them and be a Homer Oilers fan. Oilers, we'll get to that in the Oilers podcast that will also come up, or it'll be up by the time you're listening to this. Um, LA Kings, keep unloading. San Jose Sharks, keep unloading, although Sharks are an absolute mess. Vancouver, sounds like they're not done, but I'm not sure what they're going to do that's going to move the needle. To me, Vancouver, you're a playoff team without doing anything. Just be happy that you're progressed to this point. Don't pay up until your window is open. I'm not saying you can't do little moves, but trying to make the big splashes when your window isn't even open yet, I don't know. And Vegas, I think they need one more defenseman. Will they go get it? I don't know. But I think they need one more defenseman. I didn't hit on Buffalo, but I mean, Buffalo, Detroit, those teams, we know what they need. They need to offload. So there you go. That's my little trade deadline preview. That's my Soups on Hockey podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Now, while you might have listened to this, you might have listened to the Oilers one before this. I'm about to start recording the Oilers one. So I hope you've listened to these in chronological order. If you haven't, fuck you. And if you have, thank you. Enjoy the Oilers podcast. I'm sure most will just listen to the Oilers podcast. That's, that's my fan base. But and I call it fan base. I sound like a huge asshole even just saying that. So my throat really hurts. I gotta get to my next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the trade deadline. And, well, if, we don't, if you don't hear from me on the Oilers podcast or you've already listened to the Oilers podcast, I don't really know what to tell you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.